All right, welcome back to Hellspan. This is part three of The Blue Zones by Dan Buettner. In part one, I discussed what the Blue Zones are and also talked about Sardinia, Italy. On part two, I talked about Okinawa, Japan, and Loma Linda. And in part three, which you're about to listen to, I'm going to be discussing Nicoya, Costa Rica, and also Icaria, Greece, as well as give you nine lessons for living longer. So we're going to begin our discussion with Nicoya, Costa Rica. So the the story kind of begins with Dan Buettner and his colleagues joining up this demographer named Luis Rosero Bixby. And they decided to explore the land of Nicoya in a land cruiser. And this demographer, he was being asked by Dan Buettner, like, what else distinguishes the people here from everywhere else in Costa Rica? So Luis, the demographer, asked, he thought for a minute, and he came up with this answer. So first, you have to realize that Nicoya, like all other Costa Rica, has the best public health system in Central America. They have good sewage systems, immunization programs, and clinics in almost every village. Nevertheless, in Costa Rica, we also have one of the highest rates of stomach cancer in the world. Many people die from it. But for some reason, it's the cancer and mortality rate that is much lower in Nicoya. Perhaps they are eating something or not eating something. So we're Remember this this fact that people in Costa Rica, they happen to have a higher amounts of stomach cancer. But for some reason in Nicoya, the, re, the stomach cancer rate, uh, cancer mortality rate is a lot lower. And I'm going to discuss why that is a little bit later. So as a, as a whole, Dan Buettner kind of noticed that these people he met here in Nicoya seemed a lot sharper and more active than anywhere else that he's visited. And they all believed in God seemed to have a strong work work ethic, just like the Okinawans, and also possessed a zeal for family, second only to the Sardinians. So their diet consisted largely of corn, beans, pork, garden vegetables, and an abundance of fruit like papayas, mangoes, and oranges. And a lot of these fruits were grown in their own yards. And I'm going to go a little bit more in depth into their diet, but he's just giving a broad characteristic of how these... Okinawans, I mean, how these uh, people in Nicoya are and also how their diet is. Uh, but we'll get in a little bit more detail. So our first anecdotal story is going to be with a 101-year-old man. His name is Don Faustino. And they actually have a picture of this guy in the book. And if you were to look at his picture, you wouldn't think he's a day over 80. Or I'd say even 70. He looks really good for his age. And Dan decided to meet with his 101-year-old because he heard from uh, the townspeople that this man every Sunday takes a, a bus to pick up ingredients for his family. So on his own, he leaves and takes a long bus ride to pick up ingredients and make some sort of special soup. And for most of his career, this this man, Don Faustino, he worked as a mule driver and he hauled a lot of logs out of the forested hills and acting as a courier across the largely roadless Nicoya Peninsula. And he also grew corn, beans, vegetables to feed his wife. And he also had six children as well. So Dan kind of joins this man on his Sunday uh, Sunday getaway where he gets and get, gets these groceries. And he's been doing this for the past 40 years. So for the past 40 years, he's been going and picking up this soup recipe. And Dan asks, why doesn't uh, his wife just make the soup? And then... Uh, she he said that you know she would, but he he won't let her because he still feels the need to provide even at a hundred and one, and remember the importance of family. So one of them is that so one of these 
uh, one of the things they noticed that most highly functioning people over 90 in Nicoya, they have this strong sense of service to others and also care for their family. So we see that as soon as they lose this, the switch often goes off and they die very quickly. So remember in the, my last podcast when I talked about Okinawa, Japan, and they had this ikiga, which is essentially a strong purpose. So here in Costa Rica, they have something similar. It's called plan de vida. So again, this is like a, a plan or purpose for their life, a reason to get up in the morning. Uh, so this is the, a common commonality between that Okinawa and, and Costa Rica. They have this strong sense of purpose. And once they lose this purpose, they tend to go downhill. So it's good to have this strong sense of purpose as you get older. And he kind of sits and chats with uh, Don Faustino. And he also visits other centenarians as well. Uh, but we're going to go back to the diet really quickly. So a few characteristics of Nikoyan's diet really stood out. Like like most other people in the blue zones, Nikoyan's ate an a, like extremely low-calorie, low-fat, and also plant-based diet that's rich in legumes. So this is common throughout. Their calories are pretty restricted. It's mainly plant-based, and they eat a lot of legumes like you know beans. And unlike other blue zones, however, the Nikoyan diet actually featured portions of corn tortillas at almost every single meal, meal and also a huge quantities of tropical fruit. And these would be some things like the sweet lemon, orange, and a banana variety. That's some of the most common fruits that are eaten throughout the year. And remember that demographer at the very beginning, Luis, he had told Dan on the very first trip that Nicoya had the lowest rates of stomach cancer. So stomach cancer, one of the things it's tied to is H. pylori, which is a it's a, a bacteria and it can cause stomach cancer. And we're trying to figure out like what, what exactly are the Nicoyans doing to have lower rates of stomach cancer? And we're, we're, he's hypothesizing that oftentimes, they, like I mentioned, they grow their own garden. And it's also believed that vitamin C and beta carotins may help prevent stomach cancer or at least subdue the effects of the H. pylori. And you find these nutrients in fruits and vegetables like papaya, carrots, squash, oranges, pineapples, everything that these Nicoyans are grow- growing in their own garden. So this is why, compared to San Jose, which is uh, the capital of Costa Rica, this is why that people in Nicoya are getting less stomach cancer compared to other regions. Now let's talk about their water really quick. So remember Dan is joined by his colleagues. Uh, two of them are the na- named Gianni and uh, Michael and they were putting together a couple pieces in place about what what distinguishes this region from other regions and so they went to a university library and they found this atlas and they found some three distinguishing features between Nicoya and other parts of Costa Rica so first off Nicoya was the hottest and driest region secondly it received more hours of sunlight on average during the year and thirdly the water percolated up from Nicoyan's limestone bedrock and was very different than other water in Costa Rica. So there may be something in the water. Like, for some reason, in Nicoya, they have higher amounts of mineral content in the water. So this minerals would be stuff like uh, calcium and also magnesium. And as he puts here, it's real that the water hardness, the calcium and the magnesium content, was higher in Nicoya than anywhere else in Costa Rica. Now, why is this important? Well, Gianni then calculated that if the average Nicoyan consumed, you know, through various drinks, six liters of water daily, he or she would ingest a gram a day. For most people, that's their daily requirement of calcium. 
And we know the importance of calcium, magnesium, and also, you know, all other electrolytes in our diet. And there's a paper that examined a host of studies over the past 50 years. Populations with hard water found up to have 25% fewer deaths from heart disease than the population with soft water. And remember, like, the heart is a muscle and it needs calcium for contraction. And remember, our bones also need calcium as well. So it seems like there's something in the water. This higher mineral content is giving these these people in Nicoya an advantage over over other regions in Costa Rica. So not only are they dying less from the stomach cancer, but they're getting their nutrients from the water. Now, just like every other chapter, at the very end of the chapter, he goes and summarizes some stuff you can learn and integrate into your own life. So some Costa Rica's longevity secrets. So first one I mentioned already is to have a plan de vida or or purpose. So successful centenarians have a strong sense of purpose. They feel needed and wanted and wanted to contribute to a greater good. Secondly is drink hard water. So Nicoyan water has the country's highest calcium content and perhaps explaining the lower rates of heart disease as well as stronger bones and fewer hip fractures. Third thing is keep a focus on family. So this is ubiquitous among all blue zones. They're very family focused, family oriented. And the next thing is eat a light dinner. So again, restrict your calories and be sure to eat less when, later at night. Next is to maintain a social network. Next is keep hard at work. And the last two is get some sensible sun. And the final thing is embrace a common history. So modern Nicoyan roots date back to the indigenous and their traditions have enabled them to remain relatively free of stress and their traditional diets of fortified maize and beans may be the best nutritional combination for longevity the world has ever known so take those take those uh let's see one two three four five six seven eight longevity secrets of costa rica and try to find a way to implement them in your life so that's going to finish off costa rica and we're going to move on to greece so uh, the last blue zone I'm going to be talking about is Ikaria, Greece. It's the fifth and final blue zone. So Ikaria lies about 30 miles off the western coast of Turkey in the Aegean Sea. And I'm just going to read this passage here. Ikaria's jagged ridge of scrub-covered mountains rise steeply out of the sea. You would be hard-pressed to find more than 100 square yards of flat land on Ikaria. Before the time of Christ, the island was home to thick oak forests and good vineyards. According to Homer's legend, Odysseus got a one-eyed cyclops drunk on Icaria's Pramnian wine, which had been produced here since around the 6th century BC. The island was actually considered a health destination for the Greeks and Romans who came to soak in the hot mineral springs near Therma. So, just to give you a backdrop of what's, what's going on here in Icaria, Greece, it has a lot of history to it. And it's kind of been known as this place for youthfulness and a, a, some sort of health destination for these Greek people. So we're going to begin our story with Dan talking with another doctor, Dr. Ilias Liriadis, who is a, a vice mayor and one of the island's few physicians. So he's going to be talking about the local diet. So Ikarians eat a version of the Mediterranean diet, which is kind of like a menu rich in olive oils and vegetables, low in dairy and meat with some alcohol daily. On Ikari, it also includes an abundance of potatoes, goat's milk, beans, and some fruit. Also, Ikarians seasonally gather many of the more than 150 varieties of greens, 
that grow wild in Greece for salads or to bake into pies. So we're going to, I'm going to discuss that a little bit later, but this is their diet. It's a very Mediterranean based diet with a lot of fish, a lot of olive oil, a lot of vegetables. And we're kind of seeing this uh, more in the data now that that's kind of the, the, the go-to diet if you're trying to live a healthier, longer life is this Mediterranean style diet that of course is calorie restricted. And then, uh, and then they talk a little bit about honey as well. So the panacea here is honey. These types of honeys you won't find anywhere else in the world. They use it for everything from treating wounds to curing hangovers or for treating influenza. All people here will start their day with a spoonful of honey and quote, they take it like medicine. So again, honey, one of those quote unquote superfoods you can put in your tea or put in your oatmeal uh, is something good to add. So moving a little bit forward, one of the goals of their expedition to Ikaria was to find out how exactly these oldest people are faring. So yes, they may be living to 90, 100 years old, but are they doing it in a healthful manner? Like, what's the point of living to 100 and 110 if you can't move, if you can't uh, think? So are these people actually living and uh, faring well? So they, they used Dan and his colleagues, again, Gianni and Michael, they used this international protocol to measure physical and mental function. So they counted how many times these 90-year-olds could get up and down from a chair and how long it took them to walk 50 feet. So to test mental agility, the researchers asked subjects to recall a series of numbers and to reproduce geometric shapes. Not only were these people in Ikaria reaching 90 at extraordinary rates, but they were living about 5 to 10 times 10 years longer before succumbing to common diseases like cancers. In addition, among Greeks under 80, Ikarians suffered half the rates of cardiovascular disease, a third the rate of depression, and one of the biggest findings was an exceedingly low rates of dementia. So only 20% of people over 80 showed any signs of dementia, whereas a similar study of long-lived people near Athens showed an almost 50% rate of dementia, a rate similar to that for older Americans. Like here in the U.S., the dementia is very common when you get to 80 and above, but only 20% of these people over 80 have any signs of dementia. So they must be doing something right. And they, they also talk about the teas. So we talked about the honey and now they talk about teas as well. Ikarian teas. If they contributed to longevity formula, they kind of had to meet two criteria. First off, old people had to consume tea for most of their lives. And secondly, the teas needed to have some verifiable health benefit. And all of the herbal teas showed to have strong antioxidant properties as rich sources of polyphenols. But one of the biggest findings here is that most of these herbs in their teas also was a source of a, a mild diuretic. So the diuretics are substances that make you pee. They help flush out their bodies of natural waste products. And more importantly, it actually helps lower your blood pressure. So one of the first line treatments for someone with hypertension is thiazide diuretic. That's usually, at least in the U.S., the most common first line of treatment and what a thiazide it's a it's a diuretic so you're essentially not reabsorbing sodium and, and chloride and you're peeing out the sodium and also water follows so this is a type of diuretic we know hypertension is linked to a lot of like pretty much all cause mortality so essentially this tea that they're drinking acts as, as a diuretic um 
And as far as the diet, again, I mentioned the Mediterranean, rich in olive oil, vegetables, low in dairy and meat products, and also included moderate amounts of alcohol. So it emphasized potatoes, goat, goat's milk, honey, beans, like, you know, garbanzo beans, black-eyed peas, lentils, wild greens. And uh, these, there's this Icaria study that they did that had 674 individuals. And what the study found was that Icarians consumed about six times as many beans a day as Americans, ate fish only twice a week, consumed meat five times a month, so drank up to six cups of coffee a day, and took in about a quarter as much refined sugar. And, you know, the elderly did not like soda. And they also discovered that high levels of olive oil consumption and two to four glasses of wine a day. So, again, comparing American diet with Icarian diet, uh, way healthier. Um, by the, by more, more more wine, more vegetables, um, more fish, and even more coffee as well. So the, again, that's the, that's the diet of the people of Ikaria. And the secret to Ikaria's longevity may well have to do with the local diet. But remember, this is just like one instrument in a symphony of nuances that harmonizes to create this island's environment of longevity. In other words, it's more than just a diet. There has to be something else going on here as well. He has this cool quote here. He says, Ask centenarians on Ikaria how they got to be 100, and they'll usually tell you about the clean air and wine. One 101-year-old lady shrugged and said, quote, We just forget to die. And the cheapest, most accessible foods are also the healthiest here. And remember that you can't get through a day in Ikaria without walking up 20 hills. And you'll also never find feel stressed on arriving because everyone's always late. So there's no stress. They have low, low stress lives. They are constantly moving and they're eating the healthiest food. So again, their longevity is multifactorial, but we see the importance of resting, having good social connections, diet, low stress, wine consumption, tea consumption, and also being some sort of have some sort of religion or, or spiritual component as well. Now I'm gonna summarize again Ikari's blue zone secrets. So first off is drink goat's milk. Secondly, mimic mountain living. In other words, you know, ex- they don't really exercise mindlessly, but they get all their exercise by just gardening, walking to their neighbors' houses, or just doing something. Thirdly, is eating a Mediterranean style diet. Next is stock up on the herbal teas. Next is take a nap. Next is fast occasionally. Next is make family and friends a priority. And uh, that's it. Those are the those are the secrets that's uh, going on in Ikaria's blue zones. Now to finish up, it's the very last chapter. It's called your personal blue zone. So I just went over the five blue zones that are on on this on this planet on this earth and what exactly does this mean for you so he's kind of tying it back to what kind of lessons can you learn from here and this is where we're going to talk about the quote power nine so these are the nine lessons from the blue zones which is a cross you know a cross-cultural distillation of the world's best practices in in health and longevity so what are these nine secrets um the first off first thing is to move naturally so be active without having to think about it. In other words, engage in some regular, low-intensity physical activity, often a part of 
your daily routine. You saw this in, in Sardinia. You saw this in Okinawa. These people are farmers. They're shepherds. They're, they're Adventists taking nat- nature walks. They are constantly moving. So if, if there's one thing you take out of this book, remember to improve just some natural movement and integrate it into your day. And this is something Ben Greenfield stresses all the time. He says that ha- make sure like your workout, it's optional. In other words, you should be taking so many steps and doing so much throughout the day that going to the gym is just an option. Um, but yeah, that's something he always talks about. So how can, what are some things you can do to actually help you with this? So for, for example, you can inconvenience yourself. In other words, by making life a little tougher, you can easily add more activity throughout your day. So what, what am I talking about? Maybe like uh, bike, taking a bicycle to your work instead of uh, a car or maybe parking farther away in the parking lot to make you take more steps or maybe taking the, uh, taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Just some things to help you move more. So have fun with it and just keep moving. You can walk. You can make a date out of it. So get some people that want to join you and, and join you for your walks. You can plant a garden. You can enroll in a yoga, yoga class. There's a lot of different things you can do here um, to help move more. So that's the first lesson. Lesson number two is Hara Hachibu. So if you remember from Okinawa, this phrase Hara Hachibu is essentially eating until you're 80% full. So you want to painlessly cut your calories by 20%. Now this may be hard at first, but your body will thank you in the long run. Um, and you, you'll this is a well known. You'll you'll just live longer when you cut your calories. And Maybe you can say this before you start eating your meals, which is uh, the, you know, the Hara Hachibu phrase. It's just a daily reminder to stop eating when your stomachs are about 80% full. Now, what are some things you can do to help you with that? Well, you can serve in store, which is essentially, let's say you meal prepped, you can serve yourself and put away the food before you start eating. You can also make your food look bigger by getting smaller plates uh, or you can get narrower glasses to make your drink look more. Some other things is uh, make snacking a hassle, so avoid any tempting foods. You can start eating more slowly. This helps with, uh, you know, eating eating faster usually results in eating more. So slowing down allows time to sense and react to cues, telling us we're no longer hungry. Uh, we can just, you know, eat in a parasympathetic in parasympathetic manner. By just having a seat with our family and just focusing on the food instead of something else. And the last thing is to eat early. So I talked about this extensively in the circadian code about the importance of finishing your dinner early when it comes to metabolism. So you can check up on that podcast. So that's that's lesson number two is the Hara Hachibu. Lesson number three is plant slant, which is essentially avoiding meats and processed foods. Again, I don't need to go over this again, but your diet should be mainly Mediterranean and plant-based and limiting the amount of meat consumption, um, limiting the amount of chicken consumption. Fish is fine, but you have to limit your, your meat intake. And so your, you know, your cholesterol won't raise too, raise too high. So what are some things you can do? Well, you can start with beans. You can eat you can lead with beans. In other words, make, you know, beans are these cornerstones of each of the blue zones. So make beans or tofu the centerpiece of your lunches and dinner. 
you can also substitute that meat with you know something else and you can also eat nuts every day as well and also have a showcase of fruits and vegetables like put a beautiful fruit bowl in the middle of your kitchen table and at the bottom of the and the, at the bottom of the bowl leave a note that reads quote fill me so instead of hiding vegetables in, in your fridge compartment that says produce put them front and center on the shelves where you can see them so that's lesson number three lesson number four drink red wine in moderation uh, you can buy a case of high quality red wine we know the importance of resveratrol. I talked about that extensively in David Sinclair's Lifespan podcast. Um, just treat yourself with a nice glass of wine, but don't overdo it. Lesson number five is have a purpose. So I, I went over this again already. The ikiga, this plan de vida. Have a reason to wake up in the morning. Have a have a purpose statement. This is, again, something Ben Greenfield talks about over and over. Is having this mission statement. What is your purpose of life? Like, what gets you up in the morning? Uh, you can also pick up a new habit or learn something new as well. Now, lesson number six is downshift and take time to relieve stress. So remember the, in my earlier podcast about the Moai, this, is the, this, is, this occurred in Okinawa, this group of 100-year-old ladies just talking about uh, their problems and just having a, a gathering this can really help as well. Same with the Adventists, the Seventh-day Adventists in Loma Linda. Like on the Sabbath, they're doing absolutely nothing except relaxing and socializing and, and worship, you know, worshiping God. Uh, so this is something uh, you can integrate in your, in your life as well by just reducing noise. In other words, minimize your TV, radio, internet. Um, you, can, you can meditate as well. Make sure you're early to things so you're not stressing about getting lost or getting in traffic. You can just do simple stuff like that. Now, lesson number seven is belong to this spiritual community. So again, a simple act of worship is one of the most subtly powerful habits that seems to improve your chances of having many more good years. So again, think about it. It doesn't matter if you're Muslim, Jew, Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, Hindu, whatever. Have some sort of spiritual community that you can belong to. And you see this Again, with the Okinawans, with the Sardinians, with the Seventh-day Adventists. Belonging to a religious community can foster larger and denser social networks. People who attend services may have higher self-esteem and self-worth because religion encourages positive expectations, which in turn actually improve health. So when individuals undertake and successfully, successfully act in the ways to prescribe by their roles, their self-concept and sense of well-being are reinforced. So, again, have some spiritual, you know, component of your life. So, you can explore new traditions. You can uh, just go to go to these religious services, um, but have some sort of spiritual component. Now, the second to last lesson is make family a priority. So you saw in every single one of these blue zones, the most successful centenarians they met on their journey put their family first they tended to marry have children and build their lives around this core family and their lives were were imbued with family du duty rituals and also certain emphasis on togetherness so how how exactly does this family contribute to longevity well by the time these centenarians became centenarians their lifelong devotion had produced returns their children reciprocated their love and their care their children checked up on their parents 
and the youngest generation welcomes the older generation into their homes. Studies have shown that elders who live with their children are less susceptible to disease, eat healthier diets, have lower levels of stress, and have much lower incidences of serious accidents. So get closer to the family, establish some rituals, maybe like a uh, have a dinner with your grandma every Tuesday night or have a family night every every night. Uh, create, uh, just make sure you put family first. Invest time and energy in your children, your spouse, and your parents. Play with your children, nurture your marriage, and also honor your parents. Now, the very last lesson is be surrounded by those who share Blue Zone values. It is so much easier to live a healthier life if you're just surrounded by the right people. He puts here, it's much easier to adopt good habits when everyone around you is already practicing them. So identify your inner circle. Be likable so you can actually make friends who have common values. And also create some time together. So those are the nine powerful lessons that you can take Uh, from this book and just to close things off I'm going to read the last paragraph Dan Buettner states I know that our bones will soften and our arteries will harden Our our hearing will dull and our vision will fade we'll slow down and finally our bodies will fail altogether and we'll die how this decline unfolds is up to us the calculus of aging offers us two options we can live a shorter life with more years of disability or we can live the longest possible life with the fewest bad years. As my centenarian friend showed me, the choice is largely up to us. So that's the last paragraph of the book. And that's going to finish off The Blue Zones by Dan Buettner. So as far as some words by me, um, this book had a lot of anecdotal stories. He interviewed many people and talked about exactly what they did. Um... One thing that stood out to me is that these people in the Blue Zones, they're not these biohackers who are forcefully trying to make their lives longer. I mean, they're, they're not wearing blue light blockers. They're not uh, taking metformin or taking um, whatever else, rapamycin and NADNR. They're, they're, they're not in the saunas, you know. They're just practicing things that are helping them live longer and... A lot of times in the U.S., we are focusing so much on doing things that help us live longer, but we're we're always forgetting about the basics. By the basics, I mean this exercise, diet, nutrition, and lifestyle. Instead, we turn so much to drugs and other things to help us live longer. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, If you have access to metformin or if you have access to you know, other supplements that that are, you know, are good for you, there's no problem with taking them. Just make sure you have a, a nice base and foundation when it comes to, you know, living your life. So that's my two cents. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I, I enjoyed the book, really. Um, you can buy the book. It's again, The Blue Zones by Dan Buner. I hope you learned something. I hope you enjoyed. And uh, thank you for listening.